Set to go. Snap ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. And it is good! Shotgun, there's the snap, it's felt high. Quick throw, it's intercepted at the goal line. It's intercepted by Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler is intercepted Russell Wilson at the goal line. 20 seconds left. And good evening to all you Patriots fans out there. This is the Full Press Patriots podcast on the Full Press Radio Network. And we come to you tonight with some interesting news coming out of Foxborough on Friday, August 16th. Just a few moments ago, we received word that Josh Gordon, wide receiver Josh Gordon, had applied for reinstatement and he is back now in the NFL and that's a topic we'll be covering tonight along with a preview of the Patriots Titans game which will come at you live on Saturday August 17th at 7 p.m. from Nissan Stadium in Nashville Tennessee. I am Mike DeBate and I am the managing editor of Full Press Patriots and I am joined tonight by two of the finest writers I could ever call colleagues and friends as well. Uh, The first guy that I'm going to introduce tonight, you know his work from sites such as Musket Fire and some of the great previews and even some of the great tweets that you've seen out on Full Press Patriots. Um, He is responsible for those. He's one of the finest analysts I've ever worked with and a brilliant football mind. Um, Please welcome tonight Hal Bent. Hal, welcome to the show my friend oh geez i i didn't know who you were talking about there mike i was like this guy sounds great it couldn't be me <laughs> oh, of course <laughs> <Thanks, You're kidding> <laughs> <laughs> pleasure is all mine to be with you again mike absolutely and my co-host my third chair co-host tonight needs no introduction but i'm going to give him one anyway uh again one of the more brilliant analysts that you can see he is also known as the full pressed live blog guru but he's so much more than that in terms of bringing in-depth analysis and even breaking a few news stories on fpc uh he's also a brilliant brilliant celtics and nba mind as well he is my good friend and our third co-host tonight chris simino chris welcome to the jungle my friend Thanks, Mike. I'm happy to be on. <laughs> definitely think you uh, gave me a little bit more credit than I deserve, but I appreciate it. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I definitely you, appreciate nah, it. No, you kidding me? It's all, it's, it's all a labor of love to describe you guys. No, just kidding. No. <laughs> In all actuality, <laughs> no. These, these guys are great at what they do, and at Full Press, we're definitely happy to have our entire stable of writers that we have, especially at Full Press Patriots. I like to think we have one of the best teams in FPC, but I'm a little biased. But in that case... Uh, I don't think anyone would uh, begrudge me of that, seeing some of the quality work that comes from our page. But all of our writers across the FBC landscape do a phenomenal job. As I said to open the show, guys, we have something to talk about tonight. (laughs) We thought we were definitely going to do a preview of the Patriots-Titans, and we're still going to get to that tonight, no question about it. But... Again, word-breaking, uh, typical Friday news dump by the NFL. You've got to love their timing. 6 p.m. on a Friday evening. Uh, but they announce uh, via message, um, and the message was put out there, uh, that wide receiver Josh Gordon, who had applied for reinstatement, will be returning to the NFL, and he will be eligible uh, to return immediately to 
be able to do conditioning activities with the Patriots, but uh, it will be a little bit of time before we see him on the field. Um, I'm going to read verbatim Commissioner Roger Goodell's statement, um, and then we'll get into a little bit of what your thoughts are on this as well, Hal and Chris. Um, Commissioner Roger Goodell notified Josh Gordon of the New England Patriots that he will be reinstated to the NFL on a conditional basis. And right now I'm reading verbatim the statement that was issued from the NFL this afternoon. Effective Sunday... Gordon may rejoin the Patriots to attend meetings and engage in conditioning work and individual workouts. Subject to appropriate progress on clinical care and other arrangements, he will be permitted to participate in team activities, including practice. Because he will not have had sufficient conditioning and practice time, however, he may attend but may not play in the Patriots' Thursday, August 22nd game. We are all rooting for Josh to succeed, both personally and professionally, said Commissioner Goodell. Everyone shares in that hope and will continue to support him to every extent possible. But as Josh acknowledged, ultimately his success is up to him. Gordon has been suspended indefinitely, had been suspended indefinitely, since December of 2018 for violations of the NFL-NFLPA policy and program for substances of abuse. So that is the official statement that the NFL issued, and uh, you can definitely see, of course, Picking out some of the highlights, uh, it's a conditional reinstatement, which essentially means that he's going to have to meet certain checkpoints. Uh, the statement was not explicit as to what those checkpoints are going to be, but you can really read between the lines and think that he'll be subject to frequent drug testing and evaluation, most likely by clinicians uh, and possibly even physicians as well. Um, at the same time, he is eligible to attend and start with conditioning activities, eventually ease back into practice. Uh, you will not see him anywhere near the field, it looks like, uh, tomorrow night. It looks like it will be Sunday before he's even able to join the team for any type of activity. And he will be able to be there, but will not be a part of the Thursday uh, game against the Carolina Panthers. And it's probably not a huge surprise that that's the case he's most likely being held out because of conditioning reasons, and even if he were ready to go, I don't think the Patriots would probably play him anyway. Look, bottom line, gents and fans, there's no question about it. Josh Gordon is a prolific talent. He's one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. By all accounts, he's a tremendous teammate. His, his teammates love him. He spent a lot of time working out with Tom Brady over the offseason, despite the fact that he was suspended by the NFL. Look, for the Patriots, this is huge. There's no question about it. They could definitely use his talent. The wide receiver core is a little bit thin right now because of injury, so him coming back is, is a great thing. But ultimately, and I don't think anyone can argue this point, and I know I share your sentiments, you just want to hope that Josh has his head together, for lack of a better term, that he's able to find that inner peace to be able to be productive on the field, but most of all productive in his own life. He's had some very, very hard times uh, that he's gone through, and you just hope that he's able to keep himself clean, keep himself right, and be able to move forward to a bright future on the field. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what do you see in terms of Gordon being able to come back? Because I know fans are going to have visions of prolific touchdowns dangling in their head, and it may not happen that quickly. It, it's possible that it will, but it may not happen that quickly. Do you see him coming back and being a target right away, or do you think they'll try to ease him back in and maybe lean on some of the guys that have been in camp for quite some time now? 
I don't think they're going to have a choice but to ease him in because, I, I mean, you don't play football for a year. That's that's a long time to be off, considering he was off for what, three years before that too. So, I mean, the guy just hasn't played a lot over the last four or five years. And to have that much of a layoff, and you could see the rust last year. I mean, I, I know he played well. I know he had he looked good in the slants and he made some big plays. He had that incredible catch on Brady's record touchdown. But, he looked very rusty compared to the Josh Gordon that we saw, say, in 2014. But the ability is clearly still there. I mean, there's things he can do on a football field that 99% of the guys that are out there as receivers can't do. But at the same time, can you really, as a Patriots fan, look at this guy and say to yourself, here we go, we're good, we're good to go. Myself, I even tweeted a few minutes ago that this is going to make the Patriots unstoppable, but then you have to sit back and, and remove the fantasy and the, and the Madden football from your brain and actually think of what really has happened with him in real life and in his career. And I mean, it's great to have him, and I, and I hope to God that, like you said, he can get himself squared away and, and have a nice clean season and get through it and clean life. I mean, he has clearly he has issues, and it's not something that he's – it's not like he's a jerk or anything like that. He has problems, and I just hope that he can get through it, and I hope he can get through a full season because I really do think that that would be a huge thing for him is for his growth, not just as a football player, but as a person. If he can make it through a full season, not just as a football season, but almost like work for him because that's what this seems to be. Is it's a it's a battle for him. I think it would be great for the Patriots, and I think there's a chance for a huge upside. But personally, I, I'm not getting my hopes up too high. I think that he's a guy that, if they have him ready to go and he's still on the roster after Thanksgiving, then when we have another podcast around that time, then I'm going to say, okay, this guy can be the difference between the Patriots not just winning the Super Bowl but being dominant on their way to the Super Bowl because he really does open things up, his talent, but his red flags make me really think twice about getting too excited about it and... The other thing I found interesting about that press release, it, it's very vague. It, it doesn't really state any specific time when he can come back and play in games. It's almost like, a, see, I, as you guys know, I coach high school football, right. and uh, we're in the midst of our conditioning right now. So we're not allowed to do any football-related activities until next Wednesday. We have to have at least three days, four days of conditioning. And then you have to ramp up with shoulder pads and stuff. I, I guess the NFL has assumed the same model, which is good. So that means if he still has to do that and all these other steps to get caught up, he's not going to be ready for a while. And it doesn't sound like the NFL has truly cleared him to play in games. So I I just, I don't know. I'm a little bit, I'm excited, but at the same time, after last year and just after the what he's given us throughout the course of his career, I'm a little guarded on it. So that's just my opinion on the situation. Yeah, and I think that's a very, very level-headed approach. Hal, before we get to you, and I haven't forgotten about you, buddy, I definitely will get to you in a minute. Uh, but just to clarify, uh, in terms of uh, what you had uh, mentioned about the uh, the press release being vague, and I do agree, it is not really that forthcoming with information of that type. According to some of the information that I got before we went on the air, I did reach out to a couple of sources to try to see if I could get any clarification there isn't anything in the NFL's language right now that would prohibit him from even being able to start week one on uh, the, uh, uh, the active roster and play in games. What it comes down to really is more of him hitting the checklists of being able to pass certain conditioning tests, not just physical conditioning, but also mental. And I 
like we said, it's definitely something where he'll be subject to some sort of substance tests. You have to think that's a huge part of this. So I think it is going to be a, a work in progress. I'm not saying that he will definitely be in uniform week one, but I don't think there's anything uh, prohibitive right now that's prohibiting him from doing that. Uh, but at this point, with the conditioning and going through, you absolutely hit the nail right on the head, Chris. It's, it's a process that has to be done in stages. You can't just say, oh, well, it's conditioning, you know, go ahead and ride a stationary bike for 20 minutes and yeah you're ready to go you're in game shape it's definitely not like that so it could be a few weeks before we uh, uh before we see josh on the field um I don't know the parameters of what type of physical conditioning he's in. Uh, I don't know if pup is an option for him. I don't know what his uh, what his uh, uh, you know reinstatement, the conditions of his reinstatement. The, the statement is very vague. So I think right now we'll definitely keep our eyes out and definitely stay tuned to full press coverage, and we'll definitely keep you as updated as we possibly can on any new developments that come as a result of this. But Hal, Chris made a couple of good points about taking the sort of, you know, Madden fandom out of, uh, you know, knowing that Josh Gordon is going to be back on the field here. From a logistical standpoint, there are some wide receivers that have stood out in training camp this year. Braxton Berrios has had a pretty stellar training camp. Jacoby Myers has really been the breakout star of training camp, and it's pretty much a foregone conclusion um, so to speak. I don't want to speak, get ahead of myself here, but most experts are picking him to, to make the team this year. Maurice Harris, we saw have a tremendous uh, mini camp and his training camp has been, you know, up and down. He hasn't been as, uh, uh, as impressive as he was uh, back in early June when they had the, uh, uh, the, the mini camp. But what do you think this means for some of these other wide receivers on the roster now that might have been on the bubble and now may look at it and say, well, there's a spot that's probably gone now. Uh, who may benefit the most from having Gordon on the field and who may be kind of on the outside looking in now because of the fact that Gordon looks like he's, he's coming back? Yeah, it, it's very interesting because now you're looking at it and you're saying, you know, is he going to be taking snaps away from Jacoby Myers? I mean, I think for Myers and Harris and even Harry as well, Nikhil Harry, their first-round pick, they've gotten a lot of mileage in camp that they probably wouldn't have if Julian Edelman and Josh Gordon were on the field for all of training camp. And so it's kind of pushed Brady out of his comfort zone. It's kind of forced him to have to integrate these other players into the offense, which I think is in the long run, a good thing for the Patriots' offense as well. And the other point with Gordon coming back, and I think I saw on Twitter they said he'd be able to play, the, he, he should be eligible to play the fourth preseason game if everything's on track. So he's getting a little bit of work before the season starts. But it also takes the pressure off rushing back Demarius Thomas, who they can stash on the pup list for a week seven or so. And then you've kind of got Josh Gordon insurance there as well. If you can get Demarius Thomas up to 100% as a midseason acquisition for that offense as well, and not the same player by any stretch of the imagination. There's very few with Josh Gordon's talent um, and athleticism, but Thomas, another big body on the outside. If Jacoby Myers hits a rookie wall with Nikhil Harry, uh, runs into any kind of health problems as well. You've got that insurance in your back pocket, and you don't feel like you have to rush them 
where you're getting Gordon back and onto the field, and especially at the beginning of the season here, too, where they play AFC East opponents uh, three of the first four games of the season. Yeah, and I think that's a great point uh, when it comes to uh, especially uh, with the point that you made on Thomas and having him be someone that they could possibly stash on Pup, and I think that's a likely destination for him. It seems to be the direction that they've been heading in, and that could be a uh, mid-season acquisition. And, of course, it is insurance because, let's face it, when – the Patriots acquired Josh Gordon last year. The first thing that everybody said was, can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? Can he remain focused? And for a couple of games, it looked like he was remaining focused. He looked like he was the model citizen, and everything was starting to work well. And then all of a sudden, it, the bottom dropped out. And, you know, Josh had his problems, and the demons ended up showing up once again. And you just hope that this is not going to be the case. Perhaps having this happen in training camp and giving him the opportunity to be able to be around the team for a little bit during this period and head into the season, uh, knowing that he's going to be here for the long haul, I think is, is a positive for him. And I'm really hoping, I think we all are hoping as Patriots fans, that he's able to find that piece and move forward. But you're right, from a logistical standpoint, guys like Myers and guys like Harris and Berrios and um, even Gunnar Olszewski, who's been getting some reps with the first-team offense, uh, he, he got them you know, yesterday, as a matter of fact, because of some of the, uh, the, uh, the injuries. Nikhil Harry didn't suit up. Philip Dorsett now looks like he's nursing an injury. Maurice Harris was nursing a lower leg injury yesterday. So uh, a little bit of walking wounded on the, uh, the New England Patriots wide receiver core. Josh Gordon coming back definitely shores that up. And if he's able to go and provide any type of stability to that wide receiving core, again, this could be a very interesting um, you know, uh, core of wide receivers to watch. You also have to take a look at Cam Meredith, too, who they brought in, who's on the, uh, uh, the, the uh, I forgot, is he on the pup list or the, uh, uh, the NFI? I can't remember which one. Now. I think it's NFI that he's on. Um, but uh, he's also someone that they brought in to bring in depth to the position. So it should be interesting watching the, uh, the Patriots' uh, wide receiving core. With regard to Gordon, and then we'll, we'll move on to, uh, to the game, but uh, obviously Gordon is the big news of the day, and we definitely want to cover that from, from all angles. Chris, I'll go back to you for, uh, for a second. Gordon had a almost innate ability last year to catch on to the Patriots' offense. You did mention when you were speaking earlier that he did play well, and he did look great at times. In the event that he comes back and has either some sort of a learning curve, and I don't believe that will be the case because if he could catch on that quickly and even the time he spent working out with Tom Brady definitely will help that. But if there is any type of a learning curve or any type of regression that we've seen in Josh's abilities, could his spot on the team be in jeopardy at, at in any way, shape, or form? We seem to be talking as if he's coming back and going to be Tom Brady's number one option. I still don't think anyone will unseat Julian Edelman in that regard this year, including Josh Gordon. But is there a scenario that you can envision where he might be in jeopardy from a football standpoint, not necessarily from a logistical off-field standpoint, but from a pure football standpoint? Could there be a scenario where he might end up not being the guy that everybody thinks he's going to be? I think talent-wise, there's no way he could be cut amongst this group of receivers. I, I think just the talent you could see is still there. But I just think from a headache perspective, I mean, 
off-the-field distractions, things like that, is Belichick really going to want to go through another season of thinking, all right, my best receiver is, is a major question mark? So, I, so from a talent perspective, no. I don't think he is a guy that they would look at and say, there's not a single guy on this team that's more talented than him offensively. It's just it's not even really close. I mean, Edelman's a great player, but Josh Gordon is an, is even 75% Josh Gordon is still is, is phenomenal talent. So, no, I think talent-wise, I think he's he's going to be there, and I, I just don't think that'll be the issue. But I I do see a scenario of him being cut. I I I can see it now. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest bit. Guys like Myers and these guys that have really stepped up, these young kids, they don't have any of these these black marks on them. They don't have any of these issues. All they're trying to do is make a football team. All they're trying to do is make it to the NFL. And Gordon has already proven that he can make it to the NFL. He knows how talented he is. And sometimes I think that talent might be the, the what hurts him in, in the long run because he must think, well, maybe I can just get back. I don't know what he's thinking, but a lot of times that's what happens when you have these more talented guys that can't get out of their own way. That's part of the problem is because they know how talented they are. And a kid like Myers, a kid like Berrios, Harris, those guys, they've been terrific in camp. And Brady's kind of grown a bit of a, a trust with them. So, no, I think it's kind of tough. It, it's funny. When Hal was talking, it popped into my brain as he's saying, you know, having Edelman and having, um, and having Gordon coming back and then possibly having Demarius Thomas down the road. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, they got all these other young guys who've looked pretty good so far. I don't want to see the Boston Celtics circa 2017-18, 2018-19 situation happen where you have two older receivers come back after the preseason, take over for the younger guys. They don't look quite as good, and then you don't have as good of a, of a, of a, of a unit because you went with experience and names compared to execution and young talent. So I think the Patriots are kind of at a crossroads here as to what they're going to do, and it's funny that this thing has all kind of happened now because – it's going to force their hand. So I, I'm very interested to see how this Gordon situation works out, but I I don't know. I'm, I just don't trust the whole situation. And if I'm the Patriots, if you see any signs of anything whatsoever, they're going to have to walk away. Yeah, and I think they probably would do that. If there's a team in the league that is definitely not afraid to walk away <laughs> uh, from a player, from any player, and, um, you know, we've, we've seen that time and time again when it comes to the New England Patriots, then they will do what they feel is best for the football team. That is Bill Belichick's mantra. And it has been since he came in here, uh, and it's served him pretty well. <laughs> I think he's, his track record that he's had uh, since coming on board and being the head coach of the New England Patriots, it speaks for itself, and you can't argue with the success that he's had in doing that. How the wild card in all this is rookie wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Now, Harry has looked very impressive at times in training camp, had a couple of really athletic catches uh, the other day in uh, um, um, against uh, Detroit, in, in Detroit, um, and then came up a little bit lame and he's been held out of practice and hasn't really been uh, uh, participating this week. Doesn't look like we'll see him um, on Saturday night. As a matter of fact, I think he already traveled back to Foxborough. I don't believe he's with the team. I think he went back for further medical evaluation, if memory serves me correctly. So with regard to Harry, who looked to be someone that the Patriots were probably going to rely on as being maybe that outside threat uh, and someone that could make the athletic catches, Gordon is definitely a guy that can do that. Do you still see Harry being brought along as that type of player, or does his toughness and ability to fight for a catch make him almost more of a, and not that he'll be playing the position, but 
almost more of a tight end type hybrid coming in and being that type of wide receiver that can fight through and, and really fight for, uh, for the catch the way a Rob Gronkowski did. And I'm not saying that Harry should be con- uh, compared to Gronkowski, <laughs> but can you see him taking on that role a little bit more now that they may have that outside finesse threat with a guy like Josh Gordon? Yeah, I, and I think you're going to see a little bit more. I was looking at some of um, Gordon's tape from last year, this afternoon as well, be, be, as soon as the news came out. And, you know, the Patriots did use him slant routes over the middle, and I think you could see both of those guys with that size that they have taking on that Gronkowski, you know, crosser or deep cross over the middle as a, a big 15 yard and then break a tackle and go for how who knows how long and having two of those guys in that same mold really open up the offense there and you know really when you get an Edelman back when you have somebody like Dorsett working underneath or if it's Braxton Berrios whoever that may be you know again that's back into that offense with Gronkowski being able to have multiple levels and multiple layers of that for the defense to defend. So I think it's more of a plus that way. And, you know, especially for a young player like Harry as well, getting the chance to, you know, if he's dinged up a little bit right now, be able to watch Gordon at practice, watch how he interacts with Brady, what type of catches, how he's handling himself, how he's getting open in the field, how he's using his leverage. You know, and that's something, too, that for a young player is a huge advantage as well in his growth and being able to see somebody who knows how to do this, who has that experience in the league as that big outside receiver and be able to pick his brain and be right there on the practice field with him. That should be a huge advantage for Harry's growth in the offense as well, I think. Interesting, and and I, I agree with you in a lot of ways when it comes to uh, to your evaluation of Harry, and I think it will be interesting to see how he's brought along. Listen, there's definitely a, a wealth of talent there, and no one is questioning that, but he is a rookie, and he's going to make rookie mistakes. We've seen him look like a rookie at times during training camp this year. We definitely saw it during rookie and, and mini camp, uh, but we're seeing it at training camp a little bit this year as well, so obviously the health concern always you want to be sure that he's going to be healthy going into the season there's no need to rush him back I don't think there's any question as to whether or not he's going to have a roster spot so I I think they'll err on the side of caution when it comes to Harry but seeing him come back the prospect of seeing him and Gordon if healthy and both prolific uh, that could be a real real interesting uh, combination on the field for the New England Patriots so fans definitely uh, you know don't go too overboard with dreams of that image, but uh, if you get a chance to see it this year and we get a chance to see it often, then uh, I think you're going to be in for a real treat. Um, Lost in all of this is there is a game tomorrow night for the New England Patriots. On Saturday, as we uh, said when we opened the show, the Patriots are taking on the Tennessee Titans, and they've been in Nashville for the last couple of days now uh, going through joint practices. Uh, We've seen some, uh, you know, sort of homecoming and sort of some, you know, feel-good stories with Mike Vrabel and the team saying happy birthday to him yesterday. Mike turned 44. And, you know, so there have been some good stories here. Uh, A little bit of a skirmish that broke out yesterday, Uh, a little bit of chippiness going on between 
between the two teams. Uh, there's some former Patriots on that squad. Of course, you've got Malcolm Butler and Deion Lewis, who are saying all the right things now, but uh, after the, uh, the, the Titans kind of mopped the floor with the New England Patriots last year in the regular season, those guys wanted to chirp a little bit. Primarily, Lewis had some stuff to say, a little bit more subdued this week. But in any case, um, there have been some positive things on the, on the field for the New England Patriots. First, Isaiah Wynn. Uh, he's continuing to work his way more into being a regular participant. Uh, he split reps with Dan Skipper at left tackle, got a lot of reps with the first-team offense, and it's very possible that we may see some uh, Isaiah Wynn tomorrow night in um, in Nashville when the Patriots take the field. And uh, right now it looks like he's going to be the guy at left tackle. I know there's a lot of uh, visions of sugar plums dancing in the heads of everybody about Trent Williams maybe him being acquired. And I don't, well, I don't think that's completely off the table. Uh, Field Yates reported earlier in the week that he believes that the Patriots have that much confidence in win. So that's a good sign there for the offensive line as well. Uh, Chris, when you look at tomorrow night's game and you look at the offense, primarily the offensive line and even some of the skill positions, who are you going to have your eye on tomorrow night in terms of who might bring something to the table tomorrow that we did not see last Thursday against Detroit? Oh, I'm very interested to see if Damian Harris gets some playing time tomorrow mm-hmm. night. <laughs> I was very, very disappointed. I'm a big running back guy. I like to see the backs. I'm a big offensive line running guy. I I was shocked. I guess he must have been a little dinged up, and you know, obviously, you want to. I'd rather be safe with the kids than he's got some talent. But yes, Brent, uh, Damian Harris is probably the number one guy I want to see. Uh, Isaiah Wynn, you just brought his name up, and I want to keep a close eye on him. I uh, I loved Wynn coming out of college. I, I've yeah. never believed. I've never believed that. A, well, he's six three, can't play left tackle. Well, Matt Light was six two, and he played yep. left tackle yep. for twelve years, and he should be in the Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that another day. Um, He's been in the most Super Bowls in history for a left tackle. People don't know that. Um, there's a couple other guys that I want to keep an eye on, too. Um, I want to see the Eric uh, Selbert. Is that how we pronounce his last name? Uh, yep, Selbert. Yep. Yeah, I want to see how he looks. Could they trade it for from Atlanta? I was a little surprised to see that they had went out and uh, acquired somebody. But when when it calls for you, you got to do what you got to do. The depth chart is a little yeah. beat up right now. So um, defensively, there's a couple guys that I'm keeping an eye on, too. Um, Mike Pennell, and I like Pennell. I think he's a good player. Yeah. He's one of those guys that kind of – I watch the linemen. It's, it's, it's people, some people find that boring. I think it's important to see how the guys are looking in the trenches. So he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, Michael Bennett's a guy that I just like to watch. So I know he won't be out there long if he gets out there at all, but he's always fun to watch. And I think it's important to keep an eye on I didn't even remember seeing him last week. Is a Landon Roberts – playing? I mean, what's the situation? I don't remember seeing him on the field last week. Yeah, I mean, he's been out there. Uh, Roberts has been out there doing team drills. He's been out there in uh, 11-on-11s, and you know, there's there's been some you know interactions there, but he hasn't been all that featured. I do believe he, he did see time um, in Thursday yeah. night's game. I think he only um, played about 15 plays in the whole game, though. Yeah, there was... was yeah, there definitely wasn't a lot. And listen, Landon Roberts, and the last time we had our podcast, gentlemen, I, I mentioned him as being someone that could possibly be on the roster bubble, uh, possibly even on the outside looking in. And Derek Rivers was another name that I had mentioned. Yes. He's a guy that I'm going to be watching closely tomorrow. He had a very good game on Thursday, really kind of emerged, two sacks, had you know a couple of big moments, uh, and looked like someone that might be willing to cross that line and really take a step up and step into really the shadow that I think... E- that he cast when he first came to the team. And everybody looked at Derek Rivers as being someone that was going to 
um, that was really going to contribute early on. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see if they keep the foot on the accelerator when it comes to him and open up the uh, the defense and give him a chance to go and to eat up some yardage and get after the quarterback. So I'm going to be watching him tomorrow night as well. But Roberts is interesting. Definitely keep an eye out for him. And I'm glad that you mentioned him, Chris, because I think in a lot of ways, I think he is one of those guys that's kind of singing for a supper right now. And if you see him make some plays and you see him get extended periods of time out there with that uh, with that defensive unit, then I think it bodes well for him. If you don't see him all that much, there's so much competition, and the defense really has been the star. Um, the uh, the beat writers that are in Nashville that have been covering the team this week continue to absolutely sing the praises of this defense and just talk about how dominant they've been against the Tennessee offense, even the first stringers. So it's uh, definitely going to be interesting to see how Roberts shakes out. Um, Hal, you're equally an offense and a defense guy, but I'm going to keep sticking with the defense right now. From a defensive standpoint, both in the linebacking core and on the defensive line or the defensive ends, um, Chris had mentioned Mike Pennell. We mentioned Landon Roberts. Uh, is there someone that we've mentioned that we haven't mentioned yet uh, that you're going to have uh, a sharp eye on uh, tomorrow night? Yeah, nice of him to steal my Mike Pennell. You know, I had that all queued up, and then my assistant <laughs> oh, just sorry, steps Al. in and grabs him. I'm like, ah, oh, great. Yeah, he only plays five snaps, and I, that's the one I'm circling, man. Um, you know, another <laughs> – we saw the Derek Rivers show, but, you know uh, – a defensive end that was getting playing time during the season at times ahead of him, Keonta Davis. We didn't see much of him out there. Right. Um, he didn't play much. And that's a guy that's, you know, very athletic, doesn't have a lot of experience. Um, you know, somebody would be interesting to see if he's out there, how much if he picks up a little more playing time. Um, I think we, we all loved what we saw out of John Simon um, yeah. As well, he looks like a real player. It's kind of like stash him away until uh, the regular season here starts. Um, but, you know, Rivers and Winovich got all the news. I, I really want to see more out of Shaquille Calhoun. He's had mm-hmm. some really good practices, and then there's been other practices. seems like he's been lying on his back half the practice and, you know, um, unable to generate much. So he's a guy that's, you know, kind of right on the edge of that roster. You know, he, he could have a, a couple of big games and earn himself a spot, even if not in New England, maybe catch on somewhere else. So mm-hmm. he's somebody I want to see as well. And I, I, I just want to see that first-team defense out there. I mean, they just weren't on the field against Detroit. What was it, 84 snaps on offense, 44 on defense? We didn't get yep. to see anybody on defense. They weren't out there. It was three and out, three and out, and, you know... <laughs> It, yeah, it's true. Nice I mean, to, to see the defense, you know, actually out there and and be forced to make a couple of stops, see if they can create any turnovers. Um, so, yeah, a lot of guys we want to look at that only got a handful of snaps, and it's just because nobody got a lot of snaps last week. So, uh, yeah, I, I really want to see this defense because it seems like it's, there's so much depth at so many positions that, you know, you're going to have 31 other teams circling around on cut-down day, and however many you can staff on the injured reserve may be how this team keeps some of these young guys going forward. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you mentioned some of the uh, the guys that uh, – um, 
in terms of the defense and how they were looking this week. I know a lot of the reports coming out of Nashville that a lot of the uh, the linebackers and even the, uh, the guys in the secondary, which we haven't even touched upon yet, uh, a lot of hands in the air, uh, a lot of pass deflections were happening in Nashville the last couple of days during these joint practices. Uh, Dante Hightower was batting balls down from Marcus Mariota. Uh, Jawan Williams, Duke Dawson, J.C. Jackson, Jason McCourty, all in the secondary uh, were uh, getting hands in and being able to bat down some of these passes. So uh, the Patriots are definitely taking an aggressive approach to their defense, and I think that uh, that only bodes well for New England and bodes you know, ill for a lot of their opponents this year because the defense really looks to be uh, in, a, in a better place than they were last year, and that's saying something because this defense was very formidable last year. Look at what they did to the uh, the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. So I think you're seeing uh, you know the budding uh, you know start of something big. Yeah, guys that I would have my eye on tomorrow night in terms of. Uh, the secondary especially, um, I do want to see a little bit of uh, Jawan Williams. Uh, we saw him last week. Uh, we saw him with a couple of questionable you know, penalties and things that, uh, that happened there that looked like they were a couple of, I think the late hit was, uh, was one of them with the, with, uh, um, I forgot the receiver, but uh, he was going out of bounds and, um, and, and Williams kind of gave him a, a little bit of a late tug. You know that there's the talent there, but he still needs that that rookie discipline reined in a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if he's worked on that this week. That's a cardinal sin of Bill Belichick to commit unnecessary penalties, and you have to think that behind the scenes they've been working with him to try to get that taken care of and out of his system. Uh, Duke Dawson looked a little bit rough last week. If there's a guy in the secondary right now that I didn't think was on the bubble initially, he may be a guy now that may have slipped to the bubble because of the play of guys like J.C. Jackson and Jason McCourty. And even on the safety side, you know, you got Terrence Brooks, uh, Obi Mellonfo has played very, very well as, uh, as well. So there's so much talent in that secondary. It's hard to imagine uh, that they would really stack that secondary so thick and go thin at different positions, but at the same time, it's also almost impossible to take a look at this group and say, well, who do you cut? <laughs> so that'll be interesting uh, without, uh, without any question uh, whatsoever. Um, one guy we haven't mentioned all that much, with the exception of just his synergy with, uh, um, with Josh Gordon initially, is quarterback Tom Brady. And uh, since the last time that we shared the microphone, gentlemen, uh, Tom got himself a pay raise. There's no question about that. He's uh, going to be earning $23 million this season. That pay raise freed up $5.5 million in cap space for the coming season in 2019. And a lot of people are, what I like to say, perched on the edge of the Tobin right now, wondering what his status is going to be beyond 2019, even though the contract that he signed was reported as a three-year deal the last two years are voided years. So in March 2020, those two uh, final years void, and Tom becomes a free agent. When you look at Brady this year at 42 years of age, and the weapons that he has around him, which I happen to think are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. However, it is something to keep an eye on. When you take a look at what Brady's going to be able to bring to the table, Chris, I'll start with you. Um, first of all, do you think we see any of Tom Brady tomorrow in, uh, in the game? I think he's going to take a couple of snaps. I think they're going to want to see him get some of the rust off and then probably play a significant portion of uh, Thursday's game against Carolina. But do you think we see him at all tomorrow night? And 
If so, early on in the season, uh, how do you see him progressing his game as he takes the field at 42 years of age in what's been called uncharted territory? I do think he'll play tomorrow. I think it depends the amount of time he's going to play is depending on how well that first series goes. If it's a three and out, I'm sure we'll probably see him back out there again to try to get a first down, get a little uh, rhythm going. But I don't think we'll see him for any more than that. So he'll probably be in there. So if you're watching the game tomorrow night, make sure you watch the first couple series because that's probably the best chance to get him to see him. As far as the uncharted territory, I think with Brady, it's and I wrote an article about this. It was actually for um, the old scout.com, which is not a website anymore, so I have no problem saying who they are. <laughs> I wrote an article for them back, and I think it was about 2016, and it talked about the gradual decline of Tom Brady. And some people were not happy about it. And it wasn't me ripping him. It was just, this is what's going to happen. And exactly what I had said is going to happen. I'm not a rocket scientist. I can just look back and... You know, he's not 42 years old physically. I mean, physically the man is in his, he's in his mid-30s for the way he's taking care of himself. Right. But even guys in their mid-30s start to drop off, so he's going to start to see some things. And we saw it last year, the deep outs. You know, there were certain things that he just could not hit on a consistent basis anymore. He's never been the best deep ball guy. I, I know a lot of people go back and forth on, oh, he's a great deep ball guy. He's a, he was a great deep ball guy when he had Randy Moss to throw to because everybody's a great deep ball guy when he had Randy Moss to throw to. But Brady's never really been a guy that's, you know, chucks it down the field and, and puts it right on, right on the hands. He's From 30 yards, he's going to put it right on the hands. I think we're going to see a, a little bit of a decline in the accuracy. I remember on the last podcast, this is where I was kind of leaning and this is where I think they're going, is I think they're just going to throw more shorter passes. We're going to see more screens, more things to make it easier for him to get the ball out quick to avoid getting him hit and to have him throw high efficiency throws so that way they still do have their passing game to counteract their running game um you'll see i think it's going to be a little bit more the patriots offense let's be honest it's got a lot of west coast offense feel to it it really does and i think you'll see a little bit more of that this this season and if he continues to stay here beyond this year which i starting to have doubts about. Uh, I think that that's what's going to happen is they're just going to have to keep the passes short, keep it varied, though, because the thing is you can't throw short little four-yard passes all the time. Eventually the defense is going to come up and make plays, hence the reason why they go out and get these big receivers that can go up and battle for the ball. So I think they've done a great job of putting everything around him that needs to be. I think a lot of people uh, they take for granted how smart the Patriots are but what they do put around him. He needs to get the ball out quick. They have small, quick receivers that can get out in their, out of their um, their routes. They can get out there quick and get what he needs to get done. If they have guys that he's going to drop back, take seven steps, and sit there and wait for a guy to go down the field, I don't think Tom has that in him anymore. I just don't think he's that guy. So I think the evolution is just quick passes, more screens. We're going to see a little bit more of the 2001, 2003, 2004, that time Tom Brady and that was the years when he was thrown between 25 and 30 touchdowns a year and between 8 and 10 interceptions and about 4,300 yards. And there was nothing wrong with that. They had a great rushing attack at the time. And obviously, Corey Dillon came in in 2004, and they had a plethora of backs in 2003. It was just a big mix. And old one obviously, with Antoine Smith. But, you know, it's just one of those things where they've kind of reverted back to younger Brady because you can see that he has lost some of the skills, but from an experience standpoint and from an accuracy standpoint in the short passing game, it's still there. So it's just a matter of pulling it in a little bit, 
pulling it back and realizing he's not going to be hitting these deep outs, he's not going to be hitting certain throws on a regular basis, but we need to be able to show that we'll still try to do it type situation. So I just think it's one of those things where a guy gets older, he's still talented, he's such a great winner, and you know he's going to come through in the clutch. So you kind of have to let him age and take the warts as long as you're still winning because it doesn't make sense to let him go and have him go win somewhere else, which is exactly what's going to happen if he does leave here. So, yeah, absolutely. I no, and I, I completely agree with most of with most, if not all, of what you said, uh, especially when it comes to uh, his conditioning and Brady's ability. He's definitely there's there is a question mark about his being able to keep up, you know, at the level that he's kept up you know, for so long. It's definitely something that I know a lot of people have their eyes on. And, of course, you know, the, the Sharks are circling the water. They they really can't wait to for that first bit of chum to drop in there, and then they'll hop all over it and say this is finally the year that he quote-unquote falls off the cliff. I still don't believe that's going to happen. I think watching Tom in training camp and watching what uh, what he's able to, uh, you know, to do – is is something that's 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 really really uh, uh, interesting. So, how from the opposite perspective when it comes to the quarterbacking position that's not named Tom Brady, because I think there's no question about whether or not Brady is going to be the guy uh, under center this year. Um, obviously, Danny Etling was let go earlier this week. Uh, he caught on with the Falcons. He's going to be the new member of the Atlanta Falcons now uh, and going to be playing with Matt Ryan. Uh, but that leaves Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. And a lot of people have speculated as to whether or not Stidham's performance could help him leapfrog over Hoyer and the Patriots could look to carry only two quarterbacks looking to free up a roster spot uh, that they can use at a different position. Based on what you've seen, do you believe that Stidham has a now done enough uh, to be able to at least consider that? And if so, if, or if not, I should say, uh, what more does he have to do on the field to convince Bill Belichick and the Brain Trust that it may be wise to consider carrying only two quarterbacks this year? Yeah, I, I, I think Stidham played well at times, but, you know, I mean, really, that – that Detroit second half defense that was out there was that was just you know terrible. I mean it was <laughs> those those players had no business being on on the field. And I think what we saw where Hoyer was able to come out and and really he was facing a lot of starters for Detroit, which isn't a horrible defense to begin with. It's not a great one by any stretch, but Hoyer's performance really looked like somebody that was motivated and, and fighting for that job. And, you know, I think for the Patriots, looking at Stidham, he's he's really a project. And he had a decent game against a, a bad defense, but at the same time, I think Hoyer showed why you want to have him as that emergency quarterback if, you know, Tom Brady tweaks a knee or something and misses two or three games in the middle of the season. You can see that Hoyer, with that experience, the knowledge of, you know, 10 years of this offense and other offenses in the NFL is capable of stepping in and being that accurate middle-of-the-field, short-field passer and in the confines of the offense, be able to hold the fort for two or three games, whereas Stidham, I just don't think he's going to be able to show enough. I mean, he's going to have all of preseason game four probably to, 
to show it. But, you know, I don't think you're going to see a lot of reps with him against that first unit at any time in the preseason because they're looking at him as a longer-term project. I mean, he's basically a lump of clay coming out of that, you know, 1930s passing offense that Auburn was running with him last year. So I think for Stidham, he's going to be that third quarterback, and as much as they, he's, he's there to see is he worth the investment to carry us that third quarterback because I don't think there's any question that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels have Brian Hoyer penciled in heck use Penn. He's the number two quarterback on this offense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you make an, a very, very good point. And uh, I like the, the the kind of the pump the brakes mentality that, that you bring to this. And I think a lot of what we've heard about Stidham, and we saw, obviously we saw him play very well last week, but lost in all of that was that Brian Hoyer had an excellent game as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, he I really stepped it up in terms of looking like someone that knew his job may be in question, and he wanted to remind everyone that he's still a very formidable uh, backup in this league. You know, maybe not the guy that you want to quarterback your team if you're looking to win a Super Bowl, but he's definitely someone that can keep uh, you know, the ship righted, God forbid, if the situation arose where he needed to step in. So um, I think definitely I agree with both of you. I think a heavy dose of Hoyer and Stidham tomorrow night, probably Brady sparingly, if any, but I, I seem to think, and, and Chris, I know you agreed, that we will see him for at least a little bit tomorrow night. So uh, definitely keep a sharp eye, folks, on the uh, game tomorrow night. And once again, it's 7 p.m. Eastern time at Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, New England Patriots, Tennessee Titans in preseason game number two. Um, For me, this is kind of a bittersweet broadcast, Uh, and uh, the reason being is that uh, it uh, um, allows me now to transition into hosting duties for some of the other great podcasts that we have here at FPC, um, namely the Commonwealth of Champions podcast, which I host with uh, my good friend and editor-in-chief Ian Glendon. Um, I am turning the reins to this great podcast over to these two fine gentlemen tonight, um, and I could not be more happy or more thrilled for them. It's a great, not only a great opportunity for them to showcase uh, their great talent and their great knowledge, uh, but uh, it is so sweet for me to know that uh, this podcast that Ian and I started a little over a year and a half ago now is going to be in not only capable hands, but even better hands. And uh, I can't wait to see what Hal and Chris bring to you each and every time they hit the microphone. I'm not going far, folks. I will still be around. I will still definitely hop on whenever I can. But uh, the Full Press Patriots podcast uh, will be hosted now by Chris and by Hal. So, gentlemen, my best of luck to you. Uh, I'm so, so happy for you. And uh, if you just I want to put you both on the spot here. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you and then move to Hal. Just uh, uh, if you could just tell everybody where they could find you on social media and where they can find your great work and um, just, uh, you know, to, uh, to welcome yourselves into, uh, into the host chair. It's all you guys now. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Mike. I'm excited. Uh, it's, like I said, uh, the last podcast has been a while um, since we've been doing these, and I'm excited to get back into the mix on a regular basis of the season here. Um, you can find me. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, sometimes I can be a little controversial on Twitter, so with the school year approaching, I've got to kind of tame it down a little bit. Uh, my my uh, name is Chris underscore Simino. It's uh, at C H R S underscore 
S-I-M-O-N-E-A-U. Not the easiest name to spell. You should have telemarketers talk to me. Um, but the thing is, that is the best place to find me. I post all my articles on there. I post a lot of opinions on there, be it about the Patriots. Also, Hal mentioned that. I'm sorry, Mike had mentioned earlier. I also cover the Celtics, too. Um, so mainly the Patriots, though. It's always been my um, – the Celtics have always been one of my favorites, but – Football is the game that I cover the most, so you'll see most of my material on Twitter, and you can also find me on Full Press Patriots, where I'll be posting every single game day about 3,000 words related to the game as I do my live blog. You want to see anger and you want to see happiness all happen at once? Take a look at the live blog. I don't pull any punches. I'm I'm very I'm not shy. Uh, the thing is, it, with a with an eye for offensive line and defensive line and some of the things that I know about the game, there's things that I see that I know a lot of fans aren't looking for, and I think that's one of the things that Hal does too that I think we're going to bring to the table. So uh, fans can expect to have con- hear us have conversations about the offensive line and where they're struggling and the defensive line and where they're struggling and, you know, can the Patriots stop the Tennessee run game unlike they were able to, unable to stop it last year. Things of that nature, we're going to dig deep, and I think fans are going to like uh, what we bring to the table, and I think they're going to like uh, uh, my scouts' approach to the way that I uh, break things down. So I'm looking forward now, to it. And anyone familiar with your work, I guarantee it, and uh, I know they'll love what the what you guys bring to the table. Uh, Chris, you do an amazing job with the live blogs. I don't think there's anybody in the business that does it better, not just with FPC, not just in Patriots lore, but all over the NFL. Uh, I, I've very, very seldom seen anybody that can capture the actual details in the moment with not only analysis but also with flair the way you do so um, I'm looking forward to it I can't wait I'll be listening and then it's something that uh, you know I know you guys are going to kill it Hal stage is yours my friend all right hey so uh, on Twitter I'm Hal Bent zero one very easy to find me there um, you'll see me uh, full press coverage I do the offense and defensive previews of those games, uh, each and every game, um, maybe not so much in the preseason here, but, you know, once the real games start, <laughs> definitely <laughs> there. Um, you can, if you're looking for anything I ever, I'm writing online, I have a clearinghouse basically on my site, bostonsportpage.com. I link to everything that I write out on the web here. Um, I like to step in on the FPC Patriots during the game. Especially during the games, I love to interact on Twitter. Um, and like, uh, and, I, and as Mike said, and uh, talking about Chris as well, that instant analysis of his, uh, just fantastic. I love that. Sim and I, we, this is the uh, this is our third stop together writing about the Patriots here. So I think we've been talking for about seven or eight years. We got to get together, and we got to be podcasting together. We got to get a pod together. Uh, for the last seven years, so it's it's very exciting for me to to be uh, working with Chris here on a regular basis. This is a long time coming for the both of us to to finally be able to connect here with full press coverage and have this Patriots podcast going forward. So we're both very excited about that, and and just like Chris said, we're we're both dig in kind of guys. We're not gonna bore you to death with the X's and O's because nobody wants to hear that kind of you know, the detail that goes over your head and glazes your eyes. But we give you enough of that what's going on so that, you know, when you're talking at the water cooler uh, before the game on Friday, you know, you're, uh, you're the smartest guy in your office. So don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. 
<laughs> and anyone who listens to this podcast, I guarantee you, your IQ will definitely go up. Your football IQ, absolutely. Your regular IQ, well, the jury's still out. Well, I know, yeah. I know these two gentlemen personally, <laughs> and I can't. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, seriously, on behalf of Full Press, uh, I know uh, we are thrilled that uh, the, the venture that you guys have been trying to put together for a number of years now is finally being put together under the Full Press banner. And again, like I said, I could not be leaving this podcast in better hands, in more capable hands, or in more entertaining and informative hands. So you guys will absolutely kill this, and I'm so excited uh, to listen and to be a fan. And uh, I hope you guys will have me on every now and then. Maybe I can come back in. I'd love to see what you guys do with the place. You're redecorating or whatever. If you put any throw pillows up or anything like that, definitely would love to see those. But uh, in any case, uh, you can always find me at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. Um, you can find my work on fullpresscoverage.com. And uh, definitely stay tuned to the great writing of all of our uh, great writers at Full Press Coverage, especially Full Press Patriots. I'm so proud of this team uh, being put together uh, for the season and the work that we're going to do covering your six-time Super Bowl champions, your defending world champion, New England Patriots. Again, for Chris Simino. Al Bent, we wish you good night. We ask you to enjoy the game tomorrow night uh, with the New England Patriots. And Hal and Chris will be back at you shortly, uh, bringing you analysis and breakdowns the way only they can do it. So be sure to follow at Full Press Radio um, for a replay of this podcast and some of the great work that's put out by all of our writers and our podcasters at Full Press Coverage. Once again, everyone, good night. Thank you, and go Pats.